latest in the Boba News podcast series. I'm your host, Kim Bremmer. Today, we're putting our focus on utilizing AI technology in beef herds. When it comes to utilizing AI technology, there are many decisions to be made. And in today's podcast, we'll go through some of these decisions as we'll take a look at what you should be looking for in your AI sires. Visiting with me today is Dr. Ben Kreitz of ST Genetics and Dr. Les Anderson of the University of Kentucky. Welcome, Ben and Les. Welcome. Glad to be here. Good morning. So let's start off this morning a little bit. In the beef industry, what percentage would you say are utilizing AI technology? According to the uh, latest USDA surveys, and the last one was three or four years ago, um, about 7% of beef cattle producers utilize and incorporate the technologies of estrus synchronization and AI. Now, that does vary considerably by geographic region. Cattle producers in the West, about 23%, if I remember the number exactly, um, utilize or incorporate estrus synchronization and AI, while only 4 to 5% of cattle producers in the Southeast and Northeast utilize estrus synchronization and AI. So a very small percentage, only 7%, but it does vary according to the uh, geographical region, and that's mainly because of the differences in the operations between the East and the West. A considerably higher number of operations in the West are trying to pay the grocery bill with the revenue from the beef cattle operation versus the folks in the East are are more likely to be uh, smaller farmers that that are in the cattle business for the enjoyment of it. So what do you think is the biggest challenge in the beef industry to implementing AI? Historically, the biggest hindrance has been facilities. To implement a good AI, estrus synchronization and AI program, you need a convenient and safe method to gather cattle and put cattle through the chute so that cattle nor humans neither are are, are injured and it, it's a safe and stress-free environment. And beef, the beef cattle industry, again, if you look historically, uh, you know, we're pretty extensive and in our nature, uh, you know, for our management. And it's not always easy to get cattle up, uh, to get them in holding pins and down a chute and, uh, you know, get their heads caught and so forth. And all those happen to be pretty important uh, issues with, uh, you know, with synchronization and AI. Another uh, contributing factor um, is that, you know, when we started trying to synchronize AI back in the uh, really late 50s, early 60s, up up to the mid-70s, our protocols were not very successful. And I think really that left a lot of our beef cattle producers, they just kind of left a bad taste in their mouth, just to be honest about it. And the pharmaceuticals were doing the jobs that they were supposed to do. We just didn't really understand the world we were living in that time as far as how an, an anesterous cow would respond and a cycling cow would respond. And so we, you know, these low, lower than uh, expected results really kind of set a negative tone, I think, for synchronization and AI. And, and it's been many years uh, for us to overcome some of these obstacles. Yet the industry, I think, is starting to take a turn. Uh, ben, why do you think using AI sires is beneficial? So, Kim, I think you bring up a really good point there. And and one of the, the 
main benefits or, or just kind of an obvious benefit would be the opportunity to use some elite genetics and have op the opportunity to access genetics from uh, maybe different parts of the country or maybe even different parts of the world and to use those on an operation that maybe you wouldn't be able to go out and necessarily buy that bull to breed those cows naturally, but can use a variety of genetics from operations all over the world. I think the other part of that, and as Dr. Anderson alluded to earlier, of estrus synchronization and some of the benefits of using AI, uh, less really would be some of those benefits of synchronizing cows and having cows uh, kind of front-loaded to the beginning of the breeding and beginning of the calving season, but also provides the, the chance to crossbreed uh, or mate cows on an individual basis. And as we think about using AI and some of those cows becoming pregnant to AI, therefore it would reduce the number of bulls needed for natural service or increase the, the cow to bull ratio. Ben, if you don't mind me adding a little bit, a little bit here too. Um, Absolutely. Because of the latest developments in, in our ability to sort semen um, and, and, and literally control the outcome of every uh, of every mating, the efficiency of our ability to produce a very specific product has gone way up. And what I mean by that is what I, what I really advise people to do now is 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 and to really focus on now when they're thinking about synchronization and AI is to first identify how you're gonna how you're gonna make money in the cattle business. You know, are are you gonna sell eight weight steers? Is that how you're going to make your most money? And if that's going to, if that's how you're going to profit, then you know what you need to raise, Ben? I think it's steers. Yeah, a lot of eight-weight steers, right? That's right. And so in the long history of the beef cattle industry, we haven't really had the opportunity to control getting the exact product that we need, but we have that now. We can use, through synchronization and AI, we can choose the right breed of bull, we can choose whether it's a terminal or maternally oriented bull, and we can choose whether we're going to get steers or heifers out of that bull. And so if, if you're in the heifer development business and that's where you're making your extra money, then why don't we raise mater maternally oriented crossbred heifers and, and, and maximize our ability to, to profit in, our, in, in that one area that we've identified as our, as our profit center? And so, Kim, I'm, you know, the industry has changed a great deal in the last five to 10 years. And I think, you know, the change that we see in the next five to 10 is going to make, make this stretch seem like we were sitting still. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? That is how everything seems to change and evolve over time in the food producing industry. If an operation decided to start going down the AI path, what would be the best steps for them to take? to begin to successfully implement AI? The first thing I would do is uh, contact their local veterinarian, their herd veterinarian, um, go over their plans and make sure that their health um, programs are adequate uh, and you know to support um, the next level in, in, in beef production. Uh, we actually lose a lot more cattle to early and late embryonic loss than what we you know, than what we uh, we get, we give credit for, and we want we need to make sure that that our health programs are 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 at at their peak. I would, if you have a herd nutritionist, I would contact your herd nutritionist and make sure that you're 
able to get your cattle at a body condition score five and keep them at five and then um, five or six. I actually prefer six, just to be blunt. But, uh, and then also make sure that our trace minerals uh, program is, is adequate to support the additional stress that we're gonna put on the animal's bodies. And then you need to contact your, your AI, AI studs and try to find the right bulls and the right programs and the right people to work with. And, um, you know, you know, successful AI is, is, is like building a house. You know, if, if you don't have your foundation laid and really, really solid, then your house is going to fall apart. And, and so that, that foundation is, is nutrition and health. And then once we get nutrition and health satisfied, then we can build our walls and build our roof and get, get a beautiful house made with, with our AI sires. And, uh, and so the first place to start is with your health and nutrition programs and then contact your AI studs. So Ben, moving to the selection of bulls, uh, what are you looking for when bringing bulls into your own program at ST Genetics? Oh, great question, Cam. And when looking for bulls, either for my own operation or for uh, when looking at sires to add to the lineup for ST Genetics, it really doesn't come down to, to just one single trade. I think uh, it comes down to a culmination of things and finding bulls that really put uh, uh, a lot of the pieces to the, the puzzle correctly and in that unique combination. And one of the unique things about our sire lineup at ST Genetics is, is that we have a, a lineup that we feel really covers and services a wide variety of customer needs. As Les mentioned or alluded to earlier, if that is uh, maybe we're developing uh, replacement heifers, maybe we're selling eight-weight steers, maybe we're selling cattle and, and harvesting cattle at finish, uh, those customer needs vary greatly. There's certainly some differences regionally as we look across the, the country at some bulls that, that may fit better in uh, Montana and Wyoming and, and bulls less that may fit better in Kentucky and Tennessee in the Southeast. And really just having uh, a variety of bulls that service a variety of, of customer needs. So it really doesn't come down to just one particular trait, but with that, uh, as well as looking at the, the EPD profile or the genetic predictors of an individual bull, and we can certainly do that uh, just looking at paper or looking at that bull's registration number. But we also really like to travel and to evaluate those bulls physically and evaluate their, the bull's phenotype and structure. Can the bull get out and move? Does he travel well? And right now, Les, I think you would also agree that, that feet are extremely important. And certainly maybe here in the last few years running into more feet issues. So one thing we really like to play, pay close attention to are the feet of the individual bull. And if, if we travel there to look at a, a bull, whether that's uh, prior to a bull sale or, or maybe private treaty, another thing that I really like to do also is to get a chance to see that bull's mother. Uh, just to see how she is performing, to look at her udder quality and her feed structure. That seems to be a very common question we get uh, from customers when they're asking about using a, a bull on our lineup, would be what are the bull's feet look like and what does the bull's mother look like? The last I know, we've worked on a lot of breeding projects together and have had the opportunity to um, pick a lot of different bulls to use in a, in a lot of different settings. Do you have any other thoughts to add there when picking out and making sire selection decisions? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to one of my original comments, Ben, and, and start with your product. What are you going to market? How are you going to, how are you going to make money? Whether that's show steers, show heifers, eight weight, 
steers headed to the feedlot, replacement heifers, doesn't matter what your product is, you know, purebred bulls, purebred heifers, doesn't matter what your product is, mm-hmm. produce your, to hit your product. Um, you know, even if you're, even if your ultimate goal, Ben, is to, to just break even, right? Right. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of beef cattle producers really aren't super interested in, <clears throat> in, uh, making a ton of money. I think they'd all like to at least break even and make a little um with their small business but you know even if profit isn't your primary driver of your operation we at least need you to break even so that you can stay in the business and to do that we just we just really need to identify what our what what our market is and if you've got to go with to, to your stockyards if you got to go to your order buyers you need to find out exactly what they need to make them their stuff sell better um, you know, get a hold of them. And, and once you start with identifying your market, then move backwards. Okay. Um, if it, if it's seed stock, it's seed stock. And that's pretty easy. If it's commercial, then you have to incorporate crossbreeding, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no way you're, that's money out of your pocket if you're not crossbreeding. And one of the hidden benefits of AI is you can choose any breed of bull anywhere, anytime almost. Right. Yep. And, and you, your, your maximum heterosis is not limited by the one single bull that you could particularly afford to buy that day. And so, you know, crossbreeding programs are easier. Finding maternal versus terminal sires or even balanced sires is easier. It's just, it's just a, it, it's a simpler sire selection process to match the market when you're AI. So with this opportunity uh, of this technology, how could we better educate, get the word out about it and the implementation of using AI in your program? That is a really good question because we've been working hard to uh, implement or convince beef cattle producers to implement estrus synchronization and AI for uh, since since the early 70s at least. And I've been in this job here at Kentucky since 1997. And uh, we have worked really hard to convince folks that that there's another dollar or two out there if you can incorporate AI. Um, I think the focus needs to be on that group of cattlemen that want to um, try their best to be profitable. Because uh, some, sometimes even when you're you're at your best, the market just doesn't it doesn't lay straight, and uh, and you know we do we do we do good we do well to break even, right? I mean, ag is the one industry where you don't control either your output or your input, and so we're kind of we're kind of takers on both ends. But um, you know, I we have we 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 have a lot of farms in our farm program. We have a lot of data from farms where we're able to show that with by implementation of some pretty standard production practices, uh, we can increase revenue uh, 30 to 35% in one year. And Ben, you're a part of those projects. Yes. Um, some, some of the reclamations or, 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 or turnarounds on those farms were rather amazing, weren't they? They were. They were very incredible to see the change and really the change in uh, producers' behavior to adopt some of those management practices and 
And ultimately, it was like you said, of, of building a house, starting with that solid foundation and then continuing to build from there and ending with some some really uh, neat benefits from including estrus synchronization and AI in those farms. And Kim, as far as, you know, how do we convince more of them to do it? I think it's it, it, it's going to continue to be a real struggle, um, but maybe the beef on dairy folks are going to help us. You know, one of the uh, um, huge aspects of the beef industry right now is the dairy utilizing uh, beef sires um, to, to generate a, a a product that that makes them more competitive when they're selling their uh, their you know non dairy uh, breed uh, not breeding stock but non dairy stock and you know they they utilize ninety seven or eight percent of dairymen utilize AI they're all, they're total AI and their ability to produce a very specific product that's uniform and consistent and effective is going to really I mean I think I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on the beef on beef guys. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, Les, it, it kind of has already, and we're really seeing that trend to start. And there's uh, a, a few kind of key people, and, and you see the shift for AI studs for this trend as well. Of some of the new bulls that they've that that we've added in our lineup, and that some of our competitors have added in their lineup, are really targeted and geared towards the the beef on dairy world and servicing the needs of the of the dairy industry. Um, and really, as you mentioned earlier. Um, being able to control the gender of those calves and, uh, you know, a crossbred beef on dairy steer uh, would still be more valuable than a, uh, than that dairy cow having a crossbred heifer calf as well. So yeah, pretty unique setting. I, I think that the beef on dairy world will and already is putting pressure on the beef on beef world as well. Yes, and I think we'll continue to see this technology evolve over time as more and more people adopt and implement. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Kreitz and Dr. Anderson. We appreciate it. This wraps up our Bova News podcast for today. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow Bova News on your favorite podcast subscription service. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on the various social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube page. And be sure to check out our website, bovanews.com, for more information and alerts to upcoming podcasts and webinars. This has been your host, Kim Bremer. And from everyone at Bova News, have a great day.